Hey guys, welcome back to Couple Goals with S&M. What's up, listener? Remember this show? It's been a while. Yeah, remember this? We this get is, reminded this of this show that. when I go and I'll just randomly look and see how many downloads we have, and all of a sudden we'll have a, a huge spike in downloads for some reason, and I'm like, oh yeah, we used to do a podcast, we should probably do that again. Be good. It's fun. That's how you get reminded? That's how I get reminded. I get reminded because you look at the download numbers and say, Maggie, we have to do an episode. <laughs> yeah. People are listening. And I'm like, whoopsies. People need their S&M. No, I got it. <laughs> so what's up? So uh, I don't remember the last time we did an episode. We did. Last episode I think we did was a Patreon one. Yeah, and it had terrible sound issues. Did it? Yeah. It was, but it was because when I changed the mic settings because of the oh, other podcast. Oh, I never listened to it. Yeah, when I, pl- I played it back a little bit, it was Because so, I made you do it. Well, that's not why. It's because I changed my mic settings because Steve was having issues on his end, so I was trying to help him out because he couldn't understand volume. That, that, Jesus. That volume is on his end, not my end. <laughs> well, I'm glad it was the Patreon ish- episode that we had the issues on then because we only have two people to listen to it. Three. I thought you said... Matt, Steve, and Christian. Oh, do they all listen? Oh, I don't Anyway. <laughs> they can. Um, but yeah, that episode sucked anyway. And then, sorry guys. And then, uh, and then Steve had you fuck up your mic. So it's actually his fault. So <laughs> Steve's like our biggest supporter. But he had you fuck up your mic. So. He, I, that was voluntary on my end. I was trying to help. And then, like, the next episode, he realized he needed to turn down the volume on his side so I wasn't so loud in their ears. But That's why you keep earbuds in so you can listen to what's being recorded. I do keep earbuds in, but it didn't sound like that when I was recording it. Correct. Yeah. Makes me mad. What? <laughs> that you guys don't have a producer. <laughs> I am the producer. Well, now it's that you're trying to be the producer me. on ours, too, it's I not am not trying to be the producer on ours. Yes, you are. No, I am not. I'm not doing it anymore. Oh. Well, I don't this, have the time for this. Well, this is a weird recording that'll never surface. <laughs> so. This isn't. This is definitely Should making we stop it there. Because you know I can't get, I can't do ours. Like Zencaster is way easier than Audition. No, this is, you're going to do this. this well, is, uh, no. Hey, guys. No. Meet our new producer. No. Sean Isley. It takes Maggie about, I don't know, eight minutes to do it. It takes me about an hour. <laughs> Those eight minutes. Do you know what that translates into money? Well, yeah, it's skill. That's why. Yeah, you're paying for the time. Anyway, so... How are things in, uh... So everybody's out getting haircuts and crowding patios. And, oh, Jesus Christ. And restaurants, having a good time. You want to you talk about this? It's a current event. Why not? All it's right. affecting so we literally are recording everyone. this on May 17th, and we are in Ohio, which means salons are open, patios are open. Dine-in is not open yet. A few more days. A few more days, and it will be. By the end of this month, everything will be open. Yeah. Everything, including, like, daycares. Like, we are full steam ahead. They're acting like this did not even happen. It's as if they forgot that the whole reason we stayed in was to flatten the curve. And then they saw that the curve was flattened and they thought, oh, well, everything's fine. 
And it's like, yeah, be- because we didn't go anywhere for two months. I, I'm just sad because I, I want to stay home more. It's my favorite. I'm just... I am just shocked by the about face that Ohio has done. Well, we're a red state technically, so anymore. I mean, it's nice to go back to hating the wine like I used to. Yeah. So it is comforting to know something so familiar, but in the same Warm sense. Warm blanket of hatred. Yeah. But in the same sense, I would prefer not to hate him. Like, that's a better state to live in. Well, the good news is us and people like us are smart enough to be careful and not just go jump in line because our hair is bothering us a little bit. Yeah, I'm fine. I'll just I color it at home. I got some pink dye. I bought it online so I didn't have to go to a store to do it. You know, I have I have half a brain. All right. So in other current events, they're. They, there were some pictures published recently of Robert Pattinson. He did like a photo shoot for a magazine or a website or something. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about Trump's posture. <laughs> All no. right, go ahead. And there was a lot of outrage online, surprisingly. <laughs> People on the Internet getting upset. People were upset because you know, he's in the middle of filming the new Batman movie, right? They're still filming well, no, During I mean, pandemic? they're taking a break, but the point is, okay. the point is he was filming and they're going to go back to filming. This movie comes out next year and he is still built like Robert Pattinson. And people are upset about that because he weighs about 87 pounds and that's not a very convincing Batman. And though I will not join in online, I will, however, state my opinion on on our podcast here, which is that's what, why 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 is that your artistic choice to just be a gaunt batman that well since spider-man is your supposed favorite spider-man is my favorite you should be fine with it because you love spider-man's build so now you get to combine that is what spider-man looks like and he has your favorite spider-man who is who is gaunt and disgusting oh we're about to let me push my glasses up let's get into this spider-man nerd has has the equivalent strength of a spider and has nothing to do with his physique. His physique does not come into play. Now, he probably could be strong. If he, if he worked out, he, he could still become stronger. However, Batman, his strength is directly related to his physique. Directly. He is not a superhero. He needs to bulk up a little bit. It was fine back in Michael Keaton. It, we, we let it slide back then. But now that we've seen these people and what they've done, we, we watch Ben Affleck and Christian Bale. Ben Affleck isn't cut. He was for. He looked like a dad. Look, bring him up. Look at I Ben Affleck. Not. OK, fine. I'll I do will it. never have Ben Affleck in my fucking search history. I'm going to send you a picture. do not like him. Sam, ben I am. Affleck. Ugh. Mm-mm. Like that's one of those instances. Someone needs to clear my browsing history if I ever had like that dude. Dad, I wish that's what I looked like. Are you crazy? He had the best physique so far. You used so to far. have Robert Pattinson physique. That's what you <laughs> right. used to have. Yeah, when I was younger. Yeah, when we married, that's the physique you had. But uh, yeah, but I also nobody wanted me for Batman either. I would have bulked the fuck up. Why does he doesn't take his shirt off a lot? Oh, because that tattoo on his back. 
I'm guessing he's not sure. That tattoo, that tattoo on his back, man. Woof. Yeah, he. uh, A bad life choice. (laughs) As someone with a tattoo on their back, that was not a bad life choice. I can say that. But yeah, he got fucking shredded, man. I could just find a good picture of him to show you. There are no good pictures (laughs) of him. That's the problem that you're having. Ben Affleck is the bomb in Phantom Joe. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. He doesn't take his shirt off, so it's hard to see, but it's He can take his shirt off for good reason. Here we Look go. At that face. There we go. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. He was Ugh. fucking he was huge. Ugh. He was huge. He was muscular. He had a great build for Batman. Then he has a tattoo on his back. Looks like it was done in prison. <laughs> it's like Jesus. Hey, man. Okay. I don't I don't care. That doesn't impact me in any way. Cool. Uh, so anyway, yeah, he yeah, Pattinson and the director have just been like, yeah, we'll have an 87 pound Batman. Here's what I don't understand. You've seen pictures. Oh, my God. You put the slave one on top of my bookshelf. You think I wouldn't notice that? I just noticed that. You think I wouldn't notice that? <laughs> it's just temporary. I got it. It normally goes on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh. just, I'm just glad you know the name of Boba Fett's spaceship. Of course I do. <laughs> of course you do? Yeah. You're such a big Boba Fett fan? Oh my god. Sorry, we have to switch topics immediately. I don't care that we're doing a podcast. We have to switch topics immediately. I have a baby Yoda, a cutie patoots, sitting at my desk. If you don't follow me on Instagram, you may not have seen it in my stories. But... Oh, my God. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. We've since got a second one that is hideous and awful. But the and first not one. The right size either. It's like tiny, tiny. It's disgusting and it's, it's like, awful. It, it does make this sound. Which is interesting. But <laughs> as someone who's had a baby, I'm not impressed with that. Yeah, the set, the smaller one makes noises. The bigger one is the way to go. They're the same price. The bigger one is way better. The smaller one makes noises. Also comes with like other stuff like a frog and a bowl. Yeah. And then bowl of bone broth. But the bigger one is the best thing to ever happen. And it's at my desk and it watches me. She's just staring at it right now. Yeah. Well, I went to go look at it and I noticed a whole bunch of Mandalorian garbage on my desk and a, the slave one on my bookshelf clearly you relocated it briefly uh, yeah just I, temporarily the slave one will not stay over there no no it won't. It you're will not, not that fortunate to get to keep the well slave i one. have to specify because you've relocated a spider-man book <laughs> a those are both spider-man books two spider-man books and a star wars blu-ray collection so i have to specify what can stay over i don't there. have a lot of space guys he does he has a lot of space i have no and space. he encroaches on mine even though it is my zoom background for my business i'm trying he to does make not it care I'm trying to make it better it's the only Star thing Wars that stuff, i will Spider-Man keep in stuff. my background is baby yoda he's now in my background the child is part of the background all right so anyway back to the actual subject at hand which is robert pattinson Looking like Robert Pattinson for this Batman movie. I'm just getting it out there. I don't like it. I don't like that angle. But I don't know. Maybe they'll, you know, it it is Hollywood. Maybe they can make him look bulkier. 
through. I mean, think of, it's kind of like the opposite of what they did for Chris Evans, because Robert Pattinson looks like Chris Evans did in First Avenger, basically, except taller. So he kind of has pre-Super Soldier Serum Steve Rogers body. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. That's no, essentially Robert Pattinson's build. No, he doesn't. No. And so maybe they can do with with some effects. They can then make him look like Chris Evans or or post uh, Super Soldier Serum Steve Rogers. Hopefully. <sighs> Yeah, maybe he's maybe that's the the idea, and then you know through costume. Can't believe you're body shaming some dude. Yeah, well, it's it's disrespectful to Batman. All these actors that have come before Christian Bale literally went from that movie, The Mechanic. But Christian Bale is like a severe. Was it called The Mechanic? What was it called? I was called Machinist. The Machinist. Thank you. I was called the wrong name. Um, he is a like serious method actor. When exactly. To- Take your fucking job seriously. You get handed Batman and you're like, eh. Except in that, yeah. that one Batman when he's just like, I have to talk now. All right. I don't like a, his raspy I'm voice. However, Christian Bale went from the machinist where he literally weighed like 90 pounds. He, to Tom Hardy shows pounds. up and he's like, hello, I'm Bane. He showed up and had, he was 240 pounds and he actually had to shed some weight for Batman because it like the Christopher Nolan was like, hey, I need you to bulk up for Batman. He's like, okay. Eight cheeseburgers a day. Like he took it very seriously. Robert Pattinson can't be bothered to get Robert bulked up a little bit. Oh my God. When was the last time we had cheeseburgers? You just don't care about this topic at all. I don't. I think you're, <laughs> you body shaming fucking Edward Cullen is not my idea of a good time. <sighs> not body shaming. You got a role. You got a job. Do your fucking job. Your job is to look like fucking Batman, look like fucking Batman. We should be so lucky. Speaking of I Edward, wish somebody was like, hey, you get to play Batman. We need you to work out. Finally, some actual motivation <laughs> to work out. Because <laughs> Lord knows I don't have any. You wouldn't get a part as Batman. Your chin isn't nearly defined enough. Oof. That's so mean. Um, so you're going to body shame your husband, but we can't body shame a, stra- a multimillionaire stranger, though? I'm just saying your Get the chin. fuck out of here. Because... I can get a prosthetic chin. You, That's way easier than getting fake muscles. You have a baby face. When you shave off your beard, you look like you're 13 and a half years old. Maybe. Like, maybe. This movie is early in Batman's career. That would make sense. You you, you look like a child. I get a prosthetic chin. You're like fine. You're like knocking on 50's door and you look like a child <laughs> with that when you don't have facial hair. And then Maggie accused me earlier of lying about my favorite superhero. Oh, I also accused him of being the only person I know whose hair is getting darker in quarantine. Because <laughs> I swear to God, I'm happy. the quarantine. I was, built, is, I was built for quarantine. The quarantine is making his hair go ungray. <laughs> like it's like nothing I've ever seen. This dude, the older he gets, the younger he looks, and I don't understand it. His hair is going ungray and it's getting thicker. And it's like okay, it's like getting thicker, it's just getting longer. Like this whole area is very. Remember this. This part's thinning right here. Yeah, okay. kinda. Mm. Not really. It doesn't look thin until you actually run your hair through it and try and part it, so that way I can see your scalp. You have to actually part your hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. What? The only person I know who actually looks younger. You're Benjamin Buttoning. Anyway, so she accused me of. She thinks the Batman either is my favorite superhero or should be my favorite superhero. It is. It is my favorite superhero? Yes. Why, no, what, what is your evidence for this? Um, all the Batman shit you have. We had an entire Batman Christmas one year where everything you got was Batman. Okay. 
You, <laughs> what are you trying to say? Batman's your favorite. I got Spider-Man stuff like behind you, in front of you. Yeah, that was, a, that was a choice. You actually put stuff away to bring out Spider-Man stuff because that's something you do, too. So you there want, was me, a time do you want when me to you do an inventory and just get all my stuff out and then we'll do a no. head count and determine once and for all if Absolutely. Batman or Spider-Man is my favorite no. based on how much memorabilia Absolutely I not. have? Absolutely not. We're not doing inventories. I <laughs> certainly don't want that. <laughs> I'm just saying Batman's your favorite. Today you even, while watching Lego Batman, which you were watching today. Yeah. You even pointed out that you are Batman. You I made, am that Batman. I am Lego Batman. You rewound it to make me watch a part. Because it was funny. Because he was talking about how he's just filled with rage at all times and how pop music makes him angry. And I was like, I identify with those traits quite a bit. I also find Jerry Maguire very funny. Yeah. So, yeah. And then you're like, oh, but Spider-Man's my favorite. I identify with teenage boys. He's not always a teenager. He grows up in the comics. Okay. He just happens to live with his aunt. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's cool. Cool. That's cool. That's the whole thing with Spider-Man. He's, he's not cool. He's got issues. Have we ever tell that with. story on the podcast of the time when I was like, That's cool. Yes. That's, we have that's told. Good. Yes. All right. So you want to get into some topics here? Walking here. I'm walking. Yeah. That's that's cool. I will. Oops. I, my iPad does not know that finger. Um. Yeah. I'll do. I'll go first. You guys. We have topics. <laughs> We're we trying to do like thing. a real show. We did this thing for this podcast where we actually brought topics. We. I did research. Trying to stick and stuff. to our own format. So the format that we started and haven't followed in months. So, my topic is Kitty Genovese, which is pretty popular. Everybody knows her case because of that Netflix doc in 2015. But I don't care if you know it. I want to talk about it anyway. I have no idea who that is. All right. <laughs> well, listener probably does. Listener might. Kitty Genovese. Yeah. She a porn star. Sounds like a oh, porn name. Disrespectful. No. Oh, I have no I literally have no idea who you're talking about. She was born Catherine Genovese in 1935 in Brooklyn, New York. And she was the eldest of five children. In her teenage years, she attended the all-girls Prospect Heights High School, where she was known for her positive attitude and her leadership. She was voted for all those like, you know, stupid awards you get. Stupid like awards. Yeah, you know, like best leader of Stupid things or like, you know, like I'm a sheeple leader. Yeah. Yeah. She was voted for all those awards. Gotcha. Like the awards you get for being an extrovert. Oh, you right, know? right, right. She, she got those. And then uh, after her mother witnessed a murder, her hmm. family moved to Connecticut in 1954. While Genevieve, who had recently graduated high school, remained in Brooklyn with her grandparents to prepare for her upcoming marriage. So later that year, she did marry, but the marriage was later annulled in later in 1954. So she got her own apartment in Brooklyn and she tried out some clerical jobs. But like most people, she found out that they suck. So she was like, I'm not cut out for office work. And by the late 1950s, she had accepted a position as a bartender. In August of 61, she was briefly arrested for bookmaking. 
She'd been taking bets on racehorses from bar patrons. And she and her girlfriend, hence the divorce, <laughs> D. Guarini, were fined $50 each and she lost her job. Hmm. So she held another bartending position at Ev's 11th Hour Bar in Queens. And she was soon managing the bar on behalf of the absentee owner. So by working double shifts, she was able to save money, which she intended to use to eventually open an Italian restaurant. She shared her apartment with her now girlfriend, Mary Ann Zelenko, who she met in March of 63 at an underground gay bar in the village. Now we're up to the murder. Oh. So at approximately 2.30 a.m., I didn't know where this was going. <laughs> I had no I like I had no idea. I thought I was like, is this oh. an inspirational story? Was she some sort of civil rights? I thought it was person? a case. Oh, did you? Yeah. But it, I, I don't know. That could mean a lot of things. Oh. It's murder. So at 2.30 a.m. on March 13th, 1964, Genevieve left the bar where she was working. She began driving home in her red fiat. Ooh, Gesundheit, Carly. While waiting at a traffic light, she was on Hoover Avenue. She, she was spotted by Winston Mosley, who was sitting in his parked car. Mosley was a married father of two, or maybe it was three. I didn't make note. Who was later, later quoted as saying that he was out that night, quote, looking for a woman to kill. Oh. So. Well, this seems like a quick quickly solved case <laughs> he was like i did it it's like that rick and morty <laughs> right i did it here's the murder weapon <laughs> all right so genevieve arrived home at 3 15 a.m parked her car in the kew gardens long island railroad station parking lot which was shared between the uh, railroad station and then also her apartment building which was called the kew gardens about 100 feet from her apartment door. It was in the alleyway at the rear of the building. And as she walked towards her apartment complex, Mosley, who had followed it, followed it. Oh, Jesus. I haven't been on the mic in a while. Followed her home. He exited his vehicle, which he had parked at the corner by a bus stop. Armed with a hunting knife, he approached her. Genevieve ran toward the front of her building. She had been at the back towards the front of the building and Mosley chased her. He caught her, stabbed her twice in the back. Genevieve screamed, Oh my God, he stabbed me. Help me, help me. And across the street from where she was being stabbed because she was at the front of her building now, she was no longer in the alley. Yeah. So across the street from where she was being stabbed was a 10-story apartment building. Several neighbors heard her cry and only a few of them recognized the sound as a cry for help. Yeah. So when Robert Moser, one of the neighbors, shouted at the attacker, hey, get out of here, Mosley ran away and Genevieve slowly made her way toward the rear entrance of the building again, which is where she had access to get in yeah. to the vestibule. Um, she was seriously injured and she was out of view of any witnesses. Yeesh. Witnesses then saw Mosley enter his car, drive away, but then he returned 10 minutes later. He was figuring no one would do anything. But then he changed his hat into a wide brim hat. He searched the parking lot, the train station, 
and the apartment complex and eventually found Genevieve barely conscious, but in the hallway in the vestibule of the building. Wow. So the locked door had prevented her from getting in to her apartment. Out of the view of the street and those who had, had seen any of the initial attack, Mosley then stabbed Genevieve 12 more times. Jesus. Before raping her, stealing $49 and running away again. At one point during so, the stabbing. So you're, you're just back on your bullshit, aren't you? You're just coming in hard. I'm just with like. The depressing shit. You guys miss me? Here I am. <laughs> Listen to this. Oof. So at one point during the stabbing, one of the tenants of her building of Kew Gardens, Carl Ross, opened his door, looked down the one flight of the stairs into the vestibule, saw Mosley stabbing Genevieve, and then cu- closed the door called two friends for advice on what to do. Jesus. The second of whom then called a third friend who then called the police. Jesus Christ. Who arrived at the scene a few minutes within the call. You know, of the call. So the attacks spanned approximately half an hour. The knife wounds in Je- inside of Genovese's hands, like in her palms, suggested that she attempted to defend herself. And a neighbor and friend, Sophia Farrar, found her shortly after and held her in her arms until the ambulance came at 4.15. She died en route to the hospital. So Marianne Zelenko, she was the girlfriend. Yeah. She was questioned by Detective Mitchell Sang at 7 a.m. on the morning after the murder. And she was later interrogated for six hours by two homicide detectives, John Carroll and Jerry Burns whose questioning centered on the relationship with Genovese, because it was the 60s. Right. That wasn't like a thing, you know? Yeah. So this was also the the police's, fo- police's focus when they questioned the couple's neighbors. Initially, Zelenko was considered the suspect. Jesus. Now, Zelenko is a woman, and the murderer was a black man. Yeah. Not a white woman. Just oh. so we're on the same page. Gotcha. <laughs> Couldn't be much more different. <laughs> Had they questioned anybody, and, including that guy yet? Like, how would they? So even... on March 19th, um, 64, six days after the stabbing, Winston Mosley was arrested for suspected robbery in Queens after a tele- television set was discovered in the trunk of his car, which was a white Chevy um, Corvair. So a detective recalled that a white car had been reported by some of the witnesses to Genovese's murder. And then he informed detectives Carol and Sang. So during questioning, Mosley admitted to the murder of Genovese, as well as two other women. Hmm. Annie Mae Johnson, who had been shot and burned to death in her apartment in Queens a few weeks earlier, and 15-year-old Barbara Kralik, who had been killed at her parents' Queens home the previous July. Jesus. This is fun. That year, there were 636 murders in New York City. But the New York Times picked up this story because of a Rosenthal's lunch date with the police commissioner. So on March 27th, 1964, the New York Times ran an article titled The 37 Who Saw the Murder and Didn't Call the Police, alleging that multiple neighbors heard or witnessed Genovese's murder but did nothing to help her. Yeah. This later turned into a book that Rosenthal adapted called 38 Witnesses, the Kitty Genovese case. 
New York Times coverage has been criticized for the numerous factual errors and accused of contriving a social phenomenon for sensational perf- sensationalistic purposes. In 1968, John Darley and Bib Latane. Hmm? Yep, that's a name. Developed the, so- the social psychological concept known as the bystander effect. Have you heard of that? Is it from Seinfeld? No. Oh. Last episode of Seinfeld where they went to jail because they watched somebody get... No? Kind of. That's the Good Samaritan law. Yeah. Yeah. So after becoming interested in the ap- the apathetic responses to Genovese's murder, sometimes described as Genovese syndrome, the bystander effect refers to the phenomenon whereby individuals are more likely to help when they're alone than when they're in the company of others. Yeah. So this one. Because you think somebody else is going to help. Everyone just assumes someone else is doing something. So this spawned numerous psychological studies about the helping behavior and also contributed to the development of several Good Samaritan laws. In addition, Kitty Genovese's murder has been credited with the prompting of the 1968 nationwide adoption of the 911 system. At the time of her murder, concerned citizens had to dial zero for the operator or the local police station number, which then relayed communications to the bureau that passed it on to the precinct. Obviously, this was a time consuming process, which then caused several delays. Decades following the murder, a journalistic movement began to correct the misinformation perpetuated by the New York Times. In 2004, journalist Jim Rosenberger, Rosenberger, sorry, wrote an article for the Times debunking the claims of the 1964 reporting. In 2007, uh, an article in the American Psychologist by Rachel Manning, Mark Levine, and Alan Collins further deflates Rosenthal's claims. In 2015, Genovese's younger brother, Bill, produced and narrated a documentary, The Witness, which is on Netflix, um, which lays out the case against the Times reporting in strong terms. Only two neighbors have been shown to have ha- exhibited the behavior at the time of the of the murder in the ways that the, the Times claims 38 people did. One was Carl Ross. Yeah. Mosley, by the way, he died in 80 or he died in 2016 at the age of 81. And he had been in prison for 52 years since July 7th, 1964. And he was one of the state's longest serving inmates. Mm, Well, that was fun. I thought it was interesting. (laughs) Bystander effect. What's weird to me is how detached you are when you read this stuff. But if you watch a movie... You will cry your eyes out if something. Yeah. But if you watch one of those terribly produced murder porn shows that you like, like Mm -hmm. Snapped or whatever they're called, murder entertainment, whatever it is, you just you don't care. It's like it's fiction to you. Okay. (laughs) That's weird to me. That's what I'm saying right now. I don't know if there's some sort of. designation or classification for that type of behavior yeah being a female <laughs> being, being a female yeah i like murder as long as it doesn't happen to me or someone i know yeah it's weird because i can watch like we're studying the enemy is what it is see because women get murdered a lot and that's dudes get murdered a lot too. dudes do get murdered a lot but normally by other dudes 
Mm-hmm. But on those shows, they don't really talk about that that much. It's normally always like women getting murdered by dudes or women murdering other women. <laughs> that's a lot, too. And that's what I like about those shows. Well, that's well, that's why they make the shows the way they do. Like if yeah. they just covered gangland murders. Would yeah, you nobody watch wants that? to watch that. Well, I do. It's first 48 <laughs> when I watch those. And it's always just like you're just walking through the cut and you got shot. And I, <laughs> then I watch those and I'm like, that's fun because sometimes they happen in Cleveland. And I'm like, I think I've driven by that intersection. <laughs> and like I've seen that abandoned lot and like people die there. And it's fun to watch. But it's also sad. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, I really like, I really like murder. But you're concerned about me body shaming Robert Pattinson. Yeah, I don't do that. That's mean. That's mean. I'm just seeing where your lines are. Like, don't body shame a multimillionaire who's disrespecting Batman. How is disrespecting Batman? Have you seen Batman? If someone's build? like, if someone's like, I will give you money. You don't have to do anything. You just have to show up and say these lines. If it was a comedy, it was like a comedic take on Batman, I would do that. Like beer How gut. do you know? I could do like Beer Gut Batman. How do you know? Because I can read scripts. Oh, the scripts are online already? No, if somebody's offering me the movie, then I How would do you know. know what this take is? I would ask questions. How do you know? I'm so lost right now. So you're saying Robert I'm, I'm, Pattinson. If I was offered... But I'm asking you, how do you know what's happened in the Robert Pattinson situation? He knows they have filmed part of the movie. He's fully aware. How do you know? Uh, how do I know? Because they have filmed part of the movie. And you've seen the parts they filmed? I've seen some scenes. Yes, I've seen some. They've some showed them. They've released them. Yeah, I can. Do you want to see the pictures? I've tried I've, to show I've them to you. I've seen the before. pictures. Okay, so why are you asking? Not, how do you how do you get the tone? How do you know if it's a comedy? It's not a comedy. <laughs> you can be. tell by looking at it. It is not a comedy. Michael Batman's a comedy. Like, I'm not mentally handicapped in that regard. I can tell by looking at it. They are not going for a comedic tone with they this movie. Be. Like they didn't the get a comedic. The dude has gauntlets. He might be. It he might doesn't be a have comedy. nipples on his bat suit. They didn't get a comedic director. Yet. They didn't get a comedic actor. Has it's Robert Pattinson did. ever been funny? Yeah. When? Twilight. Has Robert Pattinson ever been intentionally funny or funny when the script called for it? No. The script called for it in Twilight. I would say the closest he came to being funny was in The Lighthouse, but that was mostly Willem Dafoe. That dude was funny in The Lighthouse, too. Oh, like again. when he was when he was just like humping away. Just furiously masturbating. Oh my god, it was so funny. No, that was you funny. You weren't laughing, you were horrified. Yeah, I was horrified. It, that's that's <laughs> a that's a way of being in Anyway, pain. you're getting into a bunch of nonsense. The point is like You it, brought it up. You're getting in, you're getting way off here. It has nothing like you're you're like Donald Trump. You're diverting, you're distracting from the fact am that he I, got he's Batman. Am I looking at you like a dog? No, I'm not Donald Trump. <laughs> Your posture's all weird. My posture Your knees weird? are together. Am Your I arms are just perfectly straight and in front of you. Oh uh, what is with that dude's posture? He's trying to emulate a human as best he can. <laughs> That's as close he's like, as he's gotten. Do I look interested? <laughs> right. Do I look like I know what I'm talking he's about? Like, I've seen dogs do this with their head. So I do that with my head. There's got to be something wrong with like his hips, right? Like they don't or his knees. Like there's something. Know. Anyway, point is you get offered Batman. Ben Affleck bulked up. Christian Bale bulked up. 
you, uh, you do that now. That's a part of the, the comic book movie industry is a thing. Chris Hemsworth bulked up for Thor. Chris Evans bulked up for Captain America. You know, if I'm pretty sure it's just what Chris Evans looks like. No, he, no, he was always in good shape. He wasn't that huge. Though. I think that's what he looks like because he was in pretty good shape for. Um, no, when he, he was, again, he's when always he was been torch. in good shape. He's always, but he's he never. Was he wasn't that huge though. Guys. He wasn't yoked like he is in Captain America. I don't know what yoked means. Oh, gross. <laughs> so they call us. It sounds disgusting. He's fucking yoked. I don't know what that. That sounds so gross. That I don't know what that means, but I can tell you that if somebody said it to me, I would like gag at them. I, know, I gotta look up a like an urban dictionary or whatever the hell they call it. Don't ever say that to me again. What just happened? Get the fuck out of here. What? It's just giving me pop-up messages when I'm trying to type. Pop-up video. Ugh, gross. Oh, let's see here. Never say yoked at me. Anyway, yeah, so I'm back on my bullshit with the murders. Uh, the Kitty Genovese story is a big deal. And oh. a lot of people overlook the, the actual person that caused that all to happen, which was Kitty. And she herself would have... Have really been something, man. She would own a restaurant. <laughs> Top. Everybody <laughs> owned a restaurant. Everybody likes Italian food. Uh, Urban Dictionary Top Definition of Yoked, Well Muscled or Powerfully Built. So that's, that's, I don't like it. I, I used don't it correctly. Like it. I don't I like it. it I checked myself. I don't like it. Don't say it to me. That is one so, of those words that I don't like. You know who else got yoked? Nope. Was uh, Hugh Jackman, especially for the last. Logan movie for the last Wolverine movie. He was pretty. Mm -mm. He wasn't like huge, though, he, but he was. He, he had a lot of definition going on, which dovetails nicely into my topic, which is the X-Men. Hard. See what I did there? Hard pass on oh. the yoked X-Men. Our children both have X-Men names. They do. We got Logan and Mason Xavier. All right, because you wouldn't let me do a Batman name for Logan. You want to go with Bruce for some reason <laughs> or Wayne. First of all, Bruce Wayne Isley. <laughs> first of all, my high school boy's friend's first name was Bruce. Who, Rob? His first name is Bruce. Bruce. So he got, he basically has Bruce Banner's name, but backwards. Bruce Banner's name is Robert Bruce Banner. So he's Bruce Robert. Fox. Fox. Yeah. Nice. So he was allowed to get named after a comic book character. He was a junior. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the X-Men this week because for whatever reason, I was compelled to watch the 2000 X-Men movie earlier this week. Oh, I'm glad I wasn't in the room for that. And then it also oh, wait, occurred yes, to me I was. that movie. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I could have sworn you saw part of it. Yes, uh, I was. It was terrible. Uh, that's, that movie came out 20 years ago. July will be the 20th anniversary of the first X-Men movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you see that wish? This is why we need a YouTube channel, man. The faces you make are fucking amazing. They are hilarious. That is, that is upsetting information. Yeah, 20 years. 20 years since the X-Men movie. So there was kind of a gap between now i think it was 99 98 99 we had blade but 
like most the majority of people didn't even know that was a comic book movie it wasn't really celebrated as a comic book adaptation we had men in black i didn't even know that was a fucking comic book movie probably till like at least the sequel came out i'd never heard of it but uh so between you know you had batman in 1989 batman returns in 1992 and then you went right to blade in 99 there was nothing in between there there was no other comic book movies really between batman returns and and blade oh, you're really not listening <laughs> this is how you acted when i was talking about my murders I'm waiting, and i'm waiting for like i thought you were going to call me out for uh, not saying batman forever and batman and robin i was trying to do a bit and you didn't you didn't bite oh, i don't give bit. a shit about the batman movies so I, was, I was gonna pass over and pretend those don't exist and now we I already just... talked about the nipples on the batman suit this anyway. episode how many times do you want me to talk about batman all day all day oh but day. it's not your favorite <laughs> it doesn't have to be my it's favorite your favorite doesn't have you to don't be like my it. favorite i never said i don't like you it. don't like batman i never, I never said that sean doesn't like batman not <laughs> the worst batman phone case i have ever seen you guys oh i'm gonna choke oh my god you put it back on yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> You guys, my throat, like, shut up because I couldn't handle. <sighs> I have to drink water now. All right. So anyway, not, not a lot of comic book movie action. Uh, and truthfully, Batman and Robin kind of killed that is what really happened between Batman Forever and Batman I tried to Robin. see the Chris O'Donnell one in theaters. I did see it in theaters. I tried to. Yeah. Not good. I saw Mystery Men. That was a comic book. It was comic book. I saw that in theaters. Yeah. But I was talking like mainstream, big DC Marvel type stuff. Um, oh, you are such a nerd. So let me get this straight. Image comic books are like image image comics are good, right? In your and like little independent comics are good mm -hmm. when they want to be. But when I make a Mystery Men reference, you're like, I'm talking how, about mainstream. How was that movie? Listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. So, uh, again, I'm talking name. literally mainstream, like blockbuster, big name movies. And we, we didn't really have those for a while. And again, I really do think the, the Batman. Oh, I did find out recently, in case you were wondering why, why, Bat, why Tim Burton bounced off of Batman after Batman Returns is basically... It comes down to... Because of the nipples? No. He didn't do someone nipples. Was like, someone was like, you have to put nipples on the suit. No. <laughs> he was like, I'm all. Uh, it, it was basically because of Karens and McDonald's. Karens? Karens, which a term that didn't exist back then, but everybody knows what that means. So Batman Returns came out and McDonald's had Batman Happy Meal toys, Batman tied in stuff. And apparently they got, and this is how far we've come. That the, so Batman Returns apparently was very subversive with moms and like people like of that the ilk. The Catwoman suit. I, I don't. Yeah, they were saying it was violent and just it wasn't for kids. And McDonald's shouldn't have Happy Meal toys promoting this movie that's not for kids. And so you know you you do what you always do as a parent. You blame corporations for your decisions as a parent. McDonald's said I should take him to the movie, so I did. <laughs> So, like, it's so weird to me that that's just acceptable and that other corporations are like, oh, no. So there was a lot of backlash over how adult Batman Returns was, which is laughable to me because it wasn't, I mean, adult, really. I mean, I don't know. No, it was not a kid's movie, but, but for sure. It was not a kid's movie. 
Why do they make toys of that? Well, Batman is still widely known as a kid's property, so I don't know what the toys actually look like. They were Batman toys, but supposedly they weren't necessarily related to Batman Returns, but I find that all a little hard to, to swallow. I'd have to look up the toys to see what they look like. I feel like they would be... Oh, I feel... I think Baby Yoda's moving. Anyway. It looks like he's looking in a different direction now. Uh, so, when they were talking to Tim Burton about doing Batman 3, and he had ideas for it and everything, and Tim Burton got the impression as he was talking to the Warner Brothers executives... He's like, wait a minute, like in the middle of talking to him, he's like, you don't really want me to do this movie, do you? And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. We, we want you. And he was like, he could, you know, tell. And uh, so he walked away, was happy to go do other things at that point. And and that's what happened. So they brought in <laughs> that fucking waste. <laughs> Joel Schumacher, who was like, you know what Batman needs? Neon lights and nipples. And yeah, so I, everybody remembers there was Batman Forever little glass mugs or whatever you want to call them. Everybody had them. Everyone. Yeah. We each had them. And then when we when we moved in together, we ended up with two. Yeah. Because we each had, we had one. the same one. Everybody had the yeah. same goddamn one. Everyone had the Joker one or Joker. No. Jesus Christ. With Riddler. Yeah. Everyone had the Riddler one. Right. And but yeah, so that's what happened there is uh, it wasn't family friendly enough. It got, you know, Tim Burton's whole vision was was too dark. They bounced off of that and they saw the error of their ways years later. Because what do you know? We got Batman Begins <laughs> because the last two Batman movies were so hated. They were like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe we just don't advertise with McDonald's. Maybe don't. Maybe we don't tie in with McDonald's for the next one. So anyway, uh, X Men. I don't even know what people tie in with McDonald's for now. Like trolls, like actual yeah, kids' probably. movies, probably. Yeah. I'm guessing. My I, kids aren't. We don't. They yeah. never. They never really were Happy Meals kids anyway. I think it's a very 80s, 90s thing. I don't think a yeah. lot. Most kids, I don't think, give a shit about Happy Meals and stuff. Like they were never Happy Meals kids. Yeah. Like even when they were kids, they weren't right. like we didn't. We weren't like let's we go need get the a Happy from, Meal. Right. It's like <laughs> no. It's never their thing. All right. So on to the X Men. I'm just going to do a little bit of a history here uh, across comics, TV, and movies. The it'll be fairly brief, hopefully. Oh, shit. I'll try to keep it brief. All right. So the X-Men were created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. I'm sure everybody knows who they are by now. If not, you should look them up. What? Uh, If not, then this is your first time listening to this podcast. Right. All right. They first appeared in the X-Men number one back in September of 1963. Most of the X-Men are mutants which is a subspecies of humans who are born with super superhuman abilities activated by the X gene. All right. The X-Men fight for peace and equality between normal humans and mutants in a world where anti-mutant bigotry is fierce and widespread. So that's, that's basically the comic stupid for, for many, many years. Never heard of the X-Men until early nineties when in 1991, Marvel launched a new line just called X-Men, not Uncanny X. They had the X-Men, which became Uncanny X-Men. And then they launched a new line just called the X-Men Volume 2. And it was a spinoff of Uncanny X-Men. And this was uh, this was done by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. Chris Claremont, one of the all-time great X-Men writers, if you don't know. Jim Lee, one of the greatest comic book artists of all time. He is an executive over at DC now. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know he switched... 
Well, when did you do that? Um, I don't know. Jim Lee. You've you talked know? about him before. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. All right. So he was he was the penciler on Uncanny X-Men, but he moved over to X-Men. And then Will Sportatio took over penciling duties on Uncanny. All right. Now you're making shit up. All right. You're not making sense anymore. So X-Men number one, volume two, 1991, is still to this day the best selling comic book of all time with pre-order sales of over 8.1 million copies. That's a lot, by the way, for a comic book. Um, in case you didn't know, <laughs> like I think up until that point, uh, Spider-Man number one that Todd McFarlane started hit about two million copies. And then I think X-Force did like two and a half or three million or something. And those were the biggest up until that point. So so going from so X-Force was making fun of X-Men. No, it was a spinoff of X-Men. Wait, <laughs> it was an X-Men spinoff. And what I actually, oh, yeah, they're both Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, X-Force was where X-Force was basically what New Mutants became. New Mutants ended at issue 100. And then X-Force number one was basically like the New Mutants. So it had Cable what, and Deadpool. I was going to say, that's not, what, that's not what Deadpool formed in, with, in Deadpool he, 2. They did form X-Force, but that that's not. In the comics, he was still a villain at that point. Cable is who formed X-Force because Cable was a good guy and Deadpool was the bad guy. <laughs> Which was news to me when I saw <laughs> when I saw that movie, by the way. All right. So, yeah, uh, pre-order sales of over 8.1 million copies, according to Guinness Book of World Records. And it is estimated that somewhere between three and four million copies were actually sold. So pre-order meant by comic shops, three to four million, still a lot. The sales figures were generated in part by the publishing by publishing the issue with five different variant covers, four of which you could put together, show different characters that combined into a uh, I don't know how to pronounce this tetraptic image and a fifth gatefold cover that had fold out that basically had all four covers in one. That's that's like how to get you guys. It was yeah, back then collectibles. It was. not anymore. It was like, back then. I mean, like they still do make, variant covers. But like how to it's like do collectibles like that at those, how to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How to get you nerds. Yes. Just make stuff collectible. Then nerds Variants. are like, oh, I got to get them all. Like right. Pokemon, man. Right. Collect them all. The problem was, though, is that, you know, kids didn't really have money. So, I mean, and kid, at this point, comic books were still mostly sold to like teenagers. Like that was still like the biggest market, I'm guessing. I guess it's not now, huh? No. You've been in a comic book shop. <laughs> it's mostly not middle-aged white dudes. Not recently. <laughs> no, not, not real recently. Because uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's a global pandemic, regardless of how Americans <laughs> are acting. Americans who are like, I need a haircut. All right. So large numbers of which were purchased by retailers who anticipated fans and speculators who would buy multiple copies in order to acquire a complete collection of the covers. Speculate. You can find all these on eBay for a couple dollars because when you sell that many copies, it's doesn't it doesn't go up in value because there's too many of them. people didn't understand that. See also Superman. All right. Uh, Lee, Jim Lee left the title after issue 11. So not even a year. He left to form a new company called Image Comics. Yeah, that's other we, Marvel that's, artists. Remember, you talked about him once. Yeah. And now he's with DC. So. <laughs> and then the we is. saw him on the image documentary you made me watch. Yes. Man. 
All right. You make me a nerd. <laughs> oh, it's all me, right? You're just you played like, The Sims when I met you all the time. That makes like, you a nerd. Nerd it up. That's you. All right. So initially, this book focused on a team led by Cyclops with the other members forming uh, bourbon. Forming a squad led by Storm. Bourbon. Bourbon. All right, so now we're going to get to where a lot of other people were introduced to the X-Men, which was uh, October 31st of 1992, when X-Men, the animated series, debuted in the United States on the Fox Kids Network. I was 11. <laughs> Did you watch that show or no? No. No. Although for some reason I can picture it. Have you watched it recently? I've, I've seen a few. I, I turn it on for Saturday morning cartoons sometimes. I can picture it, but I did yeah. not watch it as a child. Okay, I don't need that, but I've, I've definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's not necessary. All right. Uh, all right. This was uh, Marvel Comics' sec second attempt at an animated X-Men TV series after they had made a pilot a few years uh, before called X-Men Pride of the X-Men, but it was not picked up. The show features probably because they're overuse of the word X Men. <laughs> uh, they're like X Men. X Men presents X Men Pride of the X Men, the X Men edition. Copyright X Men. <laughs> show features X Men similar in look and lineup to the early 1990s X Men drawn by Jim Lee, specifically the blue team established in the early issues of X Men Volume Two, composed of Cyclops, Wolverine, Rogue, Storm, Beast, Gambit, Jubilee, Jean Grey, and Professor X. Yeah, those would be the X Men. <laughs> Well, that's the ones you know. There's hundreds of X-Men. Yeah, who cares? Anyway, so uh, the show was both acclaimed and commercially successful, along with Batman, the animated series. The series success. That's what I watched. Yeah. Okay, I keep Sorry, saying. Sorry, I missed that. Well, I keep saying series and <laughs> my phone's listening. Stop apparently. talking to her. Uh, <laughs> you, anytime I talk to any girl. <laughs> yeah. Stop talking to her. <laughs> it's Siri. Yeah, I don't care. Don't She's talk to listening. her. Anyway, uh, along with Batman, the animated series, the, the, it, uh, the success helped launch numerous comic book shows in the 1990s. In its prime, X-Men garnered very high ratings for a Saturday morning cartoon, and like Batman the Animated Series, it received wide critical praise for its portrayal of many different storylines from the comics. The show has been hailed as a pioneer in crafting mature, serialized storylines for an animated series, as well as paving the way for the 2000 X-Men feature film. So moving on to the 2000 movie. Development of this movie began as far back as 1984 with Orion Pictures. You remember Orion Pictures? Right. Robocop and Total Recall. Everybody calm down. Uh, with James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow in discussions at one point. They were married. Uh, the film rights were bought by 20th Century Fox in 1994. And various scripts and film treatments were commissioned from a few different people, including uh, Joss Whedon. Nope. Uh, Brian Singer signed on to direct in 1996. Nope. There were a bunch of rewrites uh, coming from uh, Ed Solomon, Brian Singer, Christopher McQuarrie, and then finally David Hader, who is credited with the, the screenplay, David Hader. little tidbit for you, David Hader is the voice of Solid Snake in almost all of the Metal Gear Solid games. little tidbit. I thought you were going to say something about Bill Hader after you were... No, uh, spelled differently. You're going to be like, David Hader is Bill Hader's no, it's third not spelled, cousin. it's not spelled the same. Yeah, David Hader voiced uh, Solid Snake, and uh, he voiced him in every game except for Part 5 when they brought in Kiefer Sutherland for some reason. <sighs> Your boy. I know you like him. He murders and rapes children. <laughs> no, he does not. That is he a did character. in that one movie I saw. That's with, right, in that with, one movie. With Sally Field. Does she have an S in her name? Sally Fields? 
Or Sally Field? Field. With no S? Yeah. Okay. All right, so Hugh Jackman was cast uh, three weeks into filming because they had uh, Doug Ray Scott cast, who was off filming Mission Impossible 2 at the time, and got in a motorcycle accident while filming. And so it was delaying, and they decided to go to Hugh Jackman. There's tons of people who came in to audition. Uh, Glenn Danzig was considered. That was my pick in the 90s. Like, I remember when, when I would picture an X-Men movie, it was always Glenn Danzig was Wolverine because he was short and he was hairy and he was stocky. I can't imagine living a life where I would picture an X-Men movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was your life like? I dream. I was I was doing a lot of, of uh, I was going to say dream casting. That sounds like playing the video game system, though. But yeah, I was. I, Vision I did a casting lot. is what it's called. Yeah, I, I was doing a lot of that. But yeah, with, it's a. I always had ideas for who, for instance, Robert Pattinson would not be my ideal pick for Batman. <laughs> I defended vision. his casting initially. I did. I was like, you know what? He's a decent enough actor. Batman is a very thin character. Not you not actually, literally. I, I meant like character wise, not physically thin, but he, he's it's very one dimensional, two dimensional character. He's not. You actually did on this podcast. Defend yeah. If, right. And you said if he bulks up, you I, actually did, yeah, say I did have did, that caveat. I was like, hey, that. man, he bulks up. He'll be fine. He didn't bulk up. It's not fine. <laughs> but my point is, I can't imagine a life where I sit around and go, who should play? <laughs> like, I can't imagine that. <laughs> like, that it's so means... funny to me that that's like that's that's like beneath you. That's such no, a big it's deal. not beneath me. It's just not. No, that's not it at all. It's just not at all. I should be where my director. where my head would go. Like, Wait, just you like, don't care about you're over there right, thinking about not, murder. Yeah. <laughs> you thought like, about murder. I sit over here going, who killed John Benet Ramsey? The brother, <laughs> by the way. The brother and the parents clearly covered it up. But, like, I sit around thinking about things like that. And so, to me, the idea of sitting around thinking about who would play a comic book character in a movie is not something that my head would ever go to. It's very common in the nerd world. Cool. <laughs> is it cool? That's cool. <laughs> is it cool? Yeah. All right, I, I did want to break. So X Men were were like hot stuff in the '90s, right? Especially in the early '90s. I guess they were hot shit, man. <laughs> cool. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal wanted to play a character. He wanted to play Bishop. Uh, who else came in? Terrence Stamp was considered for Professor, Professor Xavier. Janet Jackson and Mariah Carey came in to audition for Storm. Oh. Michael Jackson came in because he wanted to play Professor X. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course he did. He wanted to be a professor over a bunch of kids at school. An actor you like came in to audition for Wolverine, Vigo Mortensen. All right. <laughs> Angela Bassett was their first choice for Storm, but they wanted more money. So they, they she? went... She no. wanted more money? Well, her agents says, wow. so I said they, her, her camp wanted more money for her. Man, um, she has aged amazingly. Like she doing some voodoo because she is, I say that because of, I don't know if you've watched American Horror Story. She plays a voodoo priestess in one of them. Yeah. Um, she's doing some voodoo because she is looking amazing. Like as she gets older. So this was, this was Hugh Jackman's big break. And yeah, this was his first like name a movie before X Men that you saw Hugh Jackman in. <laughs> well, I have to look at his IMDb. Yeah, this was this was his big break, man. Hugh Jackman, I don't know, but he's got 
like world's plainest wife, and I really like him for that. Don't face shame his wife. That's not nice. I'm just saying he's got like a really normal wife, and like everybody talks about Hugh Jackman as if he is the nicest person in the world. So his wife is just like me. like a normal person. He had trouble. With Wolverine, they were telling him to be meaner, and Brian Singer was yelling at him, you need to be fierce, you need to be mean, you need to go home and get in a screaming match with your wife, and then come back, and he said, if I get in a screaming match with my wife, I will come back in tears. <laughs> yeah, like, everyone says, like, his wife is, or, like, him and his wife are just, like, yeah. Oh, he uh, didn't really... Yeah, it wasn't really in anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know what break. paperback hero is. Yeah, nobody does. Oh, oh, he was in Oklahoma. It was a TV movie. He played Curly. Anyway, so like I said, this was uh, Hugh Jackman's yeah. big break. I can't believe you didn't know that. I thought everybody knew that. No. And yeah, they were kind of iffy on him. And I, I, I was iffy on him just because he was tall. Because again, that's that's how us comic book nerds are. I had no idea. We get we get called out for being racist and sexist when we when we don't like how a character is cast. But we will get upset just because someone is taller than the character in the comic book. Yeah, it's body not about, it's not about an ism. You guys body shame. No. You body no. shame. It's about respecting the material. So we will get upset over the heights. Like, why couldn't you get a short guy? And From like what I can tell, he doesn't really do much other than fucking Jim Lee. What one of the reasons he loved Wolverine is because Jim Lee is short. Do you remember him talking about that in that documentary we were yeah. watching? That was so but everybody still they came around to loving Hugh Jackman including myself because ultimately that didn't matter but when you grew up thinking of Wolverine as being this five foot three five foot four oh my guy God, he was in that prisoners movie we watched yeah that was good <laughs> anyway can you get off the Hugh Jackman thing trying oh. to do X-Men now do so yeah talk about Hugh Jackman for the rest no but I do want to talk about how how we are when it comes to casting people because we want there to be some degree because you guys body shame of faithfulness to the source material yeah you, no it's not about body shame yeah comic it's book nerds are a bunch of body shamers not right a, got it not you're coming to sjw and i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to punch you in the face i'm just saying i don't like because body that's shaming what you're supposed to do to sjw so they shut up with their stupid stupid opinions that aren't accurate at all you're a body shamer Got it. I'm not about it. You've just shamed Hugh Jackman's lovely wife. No, I didn't. I said she's plain. plain. That's mean as fuck. No, it's not. Someone called you plain. You would be reduced to tears. Plain as fuck. You are not plain. I am. You look like Sarah Michelle Gellar, but with a better nose and bigger tits. And fat. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and fat with a bad hair job. Like, (sighs) yeah. Like, there's a, which I would rather be called plain than any of those other adjectives. Can I get a hair job later? <laughs> I've had like die jobs slash haircuts. And they got combined. Giving out hair jobs. I'll take a hair job. <laughs> I'm not giving out hair jobs. All right, I'm just trying to wrap this up here. All right, so X Men. <laughs> I gotta get my hair job on. So I'm not giving out hair jobs <laughs> X- to anyone. X Men premiered. Uh, you know, actually, before I get into this, I, the one thing that really struck me about this movie, and I, I remember is this go- when you were just sitting around dreaming about the casting choices. No, this when I this was like opening night when I went to go see it. <laughs> you were like, no, this was another time. This was not. Well, was going to see the movie, <laughs> and the one thing that really struck me about the movie more than anything else, well, one thing that pissed me <laughs> off was. Why are you laughing? Because so we haven't had done a podcast in so long that like now I'm just like, we've been going too long. This is funny. Um, so I, I didn't like that they didn't use the costumes. They all just had like black motorcycle suits on, which was stupid. Uh, what were their costumes supposed to look like? Ones in the comic books. I have to look look up. up 
X Men nineteen ninety one. All right, we'll keep going while I look that up. Anyway, uh, the one thing that really struck me was the opening scene, which takes place in Poland in nineteen forty four, and it, it caught me off guard. I was not expecting this. And yeah, that's what the costumes are supposed to look like. No. How dare you? How dare you expect me to have taken a movie seriously where they come oh, out here? Oh, it's like OK. That. In Avengers, though, you can handle Paul Rudd in an Ant-Man suit. I sure can. Anyway, I can handle Paul Rudd in anything. <laughs> going to give him a hair job. <laughs> I'll give him all the hair jobs. So it starts off 1944 Poland and they are they are just corralling. Not Nazi soldiers are corralling Jews into a concentration camp. And Oops, it's like nope, dark. No, thanks. It's dark and muddy and gross. And uh, a boy gets separated from his parents and they close the metal gate. You know, it's got barbed wire. It's all it's all metal. And he's like reaching out for the fence. Yeah, I've seen I've but seen that. I'm describing time. it. You know, there's a like you really forget that I'm talking to listener as There's well. No, <laughs> really? Have these people not seen it in 20 years? Some people haven't seen it at all. Do you do you forget that, that some people don't have knowledge that you have? So anyway, it's this is called open, the curse of knowledge. It's a very real problem. This opening scene and he, he, this kid's reaching out because his parents are behind the locked gate and the soldiers grab him. And for whatever reason, they cannot restrain him. They cannot pull him back. And it's because and it's because it's a young Magneto, which you realize pretty quickly as as an X-Men fan. And he's using the first like the first time his power has ever manifested. And he's using his power to to hold on to the gate from a distance, basically, like telekinetically almost. But uh, and the gate starts bending and then somebody comes over and knocks him out with the butt of their rifle and that stops it. And then they all collapse because it's like four dudes pulling on him now. But uh that scene really struck me, though. I thought that was a brilliant way to get people to take this movie seriously, basically, was to to have that as your opening scene. It was like it grounded it in reality, which was cool. It, it was a very unique way to to approach it instead of just starting off, you know, fighting sentinels and things like that. So, Logan, what are you doing? I need headache <laughs> Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was a really cool way to start the movie. Um so the movie ended up premiering at Ellis Island on July 12, 2000. What? Uh, two, yeah, premiered at Ellis Island because that's where the finale is and you know uh, the tie-in with, with immigrants and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, they have a movie theater there. I guess I don't know. Uh, I was, don't think they do. How did they do that? <laughs> I am. I'm like two senses away. Do you really want to argue about the movie theater on Ellis Island? <laughs> is that where you want to go right now? Does that matter? Yeah, I'll anyway. die on this hill. I don't think they have a movie theater on Ellis Island. All right, so it was released in the United States two days later. It was a huge box office success. Ellis Island isn't considered the United States? That was the only place it was playing for two days. It premiered two days later in the rest so of the United States. <laughs> anyway. That's the only place it played for two days. So two days there was a movie theater on Ellis Island you could go to. <laughs> Can I please finish this? No, I'm just, I don't understand. I'm so sorry, Lister. I'm trying to end this podcast. I'm doing my best here. I just don't understand. Movie theater, Ellis Island. Just This is important. I just don't think that's a thing. They set up some type of screening. But I you saw said they played it the, for two uh, days? What? That's the only place it was for two days, I guess. I don't know if they played it for two days. That's where it premiered. Two days before it premiered in the rest of the United States. Okay. So I probably had that one showing. Forgive me. The only me. thing that there is is called is called some free film called The Island of Hope, Island of Tears. Anyway, can, I, can we please? I just want to finish. 
<laughs> Let everybody, listener, you can do your own research about the movie theater on Ellis Island. That is where it premiered. I saw footage. It's a real thing. This was a huge box office success at the time. It grossed almost $300 million worldwide against a budget of only $75 million. Because, again, Fox doesn't trust anything. They didn't want to put too much money out there. So they're like, $75 million for an X-Men movie. Uh, received positive reviews from critics, citing its performances, story, and thematic death. Depth, not death. Did not have a thematic death. Uh, and it was the ninth highest grossing movie of the year 2000. And there's been many sequels, and now Marvel holds it, and now I'm very excited to see. Because I'm hoping they do the Marvel approach, because one of the issues you have with the movie, now, as an X-Men fan, you know who all the characters are. You don't really need introductions, but to uh, uh, any other type of moviegoer, they might be like, why are there 11 main characters in this movie? It seems like a lot of people to keep track of. So hopefully they do, you know, a Wolverine movie and a Cyclops movie and a Storm movie and a Gene, you know, they do all that stuff, and then they do an X-Men movie. That would be really cool. I don't want to see a Storm movie. I'll go see any X-Man movie, basically, except for Jubilee or any of the weird, stupid ones that I don't care for. I'd love to see a good Cyclops movie. Actually make Cyclops a, a cool character like he was in the comics sometimes. Sometimes. Depending. He's married to Liz Lemon. So... <laughs> Cyclops is not married to Liz Lemon. Yes, he is. What, in what universe? In the Marvel universe? <laughs> He's married to Jean Grey. He's married to Liz Lemon. No, no. That is Chris. Chris Cross. Chris Cross is married to Liz Lemon. He is, and it's <laughs> yeah. the same actor. James Marsden plays Chris Cross, and he played Cyclops. Scott Summers in the yeah. X-Men movies. That's, yeah. So, therefore, Cyclops <laughs> is married to Liz, to Liz, Le Lemon. Liz Lemon. Yeah. And so that's all I have this week. Everybody get out to the movies at Ellis Island when you get a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Go take in a flick. Just real quick. Just real quick hop over to Ellis Island. Apparently that's where all the cool kids go to see the movies. Right. They only show there for two days before the rest of the United States, according to Sean. According I guess to Sean. Only played the one for the actual premiere. I don't that's think. Where, that's where just what Sean says, according to this podcast, which is apparently always based in fact. <laughs> yes. Yep. Robert Pattinson, please work out. <laughs> please pull cup. He's eat some goddamn eat some fatty foods. Sean Isley, body work shamer out. extraordinaire. Not a body shamer. I want you to do a better job. I'm like a manager. I'm a director, goddammit. And I'm directing you to fucking bulk up and play Batman right. Fucking asshole. But yeah, I, I think through cinematic, <laughs> like, <"But> yeah. <laughs> through cinematic magic, maybe they can make him look a little bulkier. Like I said, like a reverse Captain America thing, maybe <laughs> where he, he in real life he looks like pre Super Soldier Serum Steve Rogers, and then what else? You run around in a green outfit where they can just like change it and make him look big. Yeah, but you weren't upset when you saw him in his suit. That's because the, that's the stunt double. <laughs> I haven't seen Robert Pat. I've seen one very red picture of Robert Pattinson in the suit, and the suit can make you look bigger. So again, with that magic, so then who cares? With that magic, it might work. That's well, what I'm saying. That's not the possibility. Only that, like, and that's the other thing I saw from from watching that Mandalorian behind the scenes thing we've been watching. Yeah. Do you normally only see the person in the suit anyway? Like the stunt double. In yeah. the suit. So who really cares what the actor looks like? You don't actually see him unless they're out of the suit. I just don't want to see an emaciated Bruce Wayne. 
like that's just not. Well, that's why nobody can tell who it is. That's not. It's because Bruce uh, Wayne is anorexic, and the other one is like, oh no, I'm that's good. I had a protein shake, and now I'm here and fuck things up. My name's Kyle. I'd like to see him, but it, if that's the effort he's going to put in, it's a little disheartening. And I would love to be proved wrong. I again just come so at now. Me. You're questioning Robert Pattinson's work ethic. Yes. In addition to body shaming. I'm not body shaming. Okay. If you're going to play Batman, you can't be built like me. And you shouldn't be built like pre-super soldier serum Steve Rogers. That's that's not good either. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, you got to you got to do some things. Cool. He still looks like he's like 17. Is he making that face when he smelled Bella for the first time? God, I don't man the faces they made in that fucking movie. They were always pulling faces. He was a lot. He was a lot better in the lighthouse. Like he, I mean, he'll be fine. As again, Bruce Wayne. I liked him in the lighthouse. Two dimensional character. He's not real. Everybody's really concerned about. Like Michael Keaton's still my favorite Bruce Wayne. Like he was just the coolest. I don't know. Maybe you know my like favorite Michael Bruce Keaton. Wayne is. Who's that? Will Arnett. Will Arnett. <laughs> he He's might be my, my favorite, favorite Batman. He's my favorite Batman, too. You know who my favorite superhero is? It's Batman. Deadpool. (laughs) Itch. She's upset now. Threw a third one in the mix. Don't start with me. All right. So that's it. That's all we got this week, right? Yep. So tune in next time, whenever that may be. (laughs) It'll It'll be a surprise to us and to you. We expect it to be next week. Maybe. Hey, Logan's graduating tomorrow. Logan graduates tomorrow. He's walking the stage all by himself. It's very cool. They have the social distancing ceremony. All right, let's wrap this up. I got other shit I want to do. Bye, guys.